What's up, Video Landers? I'm your host, Dr. Diamond Doug. Triple D! And with me tonight is my dear mother, <laughs> I mean friend, Mr. Miggity Miggity Mac. That's me! Quick reminder, you can find us on AdventuresInVideoLand.com or on our Facebook page at Adventures in Videoland. We are critics with attitude. In many of the AV podcasts, you'll hear some bad language. Oh, well, That's not really our style, so we'll try to keep this, what do you say? PG-13. That's right. Mild language and... Uh, artistic nudity. Ah, uh, yes. A little bit of artistic nudity. Never heard anyone. No, it didn't. Also, spoiler alert, if you don't want tonight's movie ruined, pause the episode. Watch the movie and come back later. With that said... Tonight we'll be talking about Pantheon, number uh, nomination number three for this year, Alfred Hitchcock's iconic thriller, <laughs> Psycho! Nominated by Cousin Wayne, guest voter Patricia Perillo. Before we get to any of that, let's chat about Pantheon, and can I clink your glass as we start, my you friend? You may. There we Thank go. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> so, Mr. Miggity Miggity Mac, yes. while you're taking a sip there, uh, what is Pantheon? Well, first, Pantheon is an honorary hall held by Adventures in Videoland. These are movies that must be seen essential viewing. But, in order to get into Pantheon, the movie must hit on all cylinders. We've said this before. They must hit on the acting, directing, script, score, if there's music, cinematography, any special effects, they should all be right there, like top-notch, best of the bunch. As Nathan Planick uh, uh, calls it, these are the movies for the special shelf. The special shelf. Yeah, Brad does not like that determinant, that, 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 that moniker right there, but, but uh, I'm going to say it. I'm looking at a bottle of whiskey here. That yeah, is the Balvany. The Balvany 14 Caribbean Cat. Yeah. yeah. Caribbean cask, as that's my friend a, Doug that's says. A special shelf, and and I have an edition number five McKellen, uh, a very fancy gift from a friend. Both oh. now these, if these were movies, these they would, would be, be pantheon. They would be pantheon. They would special be. shelf. That is right. So let's do a little quick rundown of the movies we've looked at so far this year. Uh, our first nomination was from Brad. Won't you be my neighbor? A documentary about Fred Rogers. Oh, and that one made pantheon. Nine of eleven. Nine. Not quite a full sweep, but almost. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, the last time around, Kyle Brown with. Uh, uh, with me as a, a guest voter, right? He nominated the apartment, the apartment, and he got three out of eleven. You know something I find interesting? Both of those. Now, uh, won't you be my neighbor? Had a lot of. Uh, uh, it's a documentary. Had a lot of footage from the early days of uh, Fred Rogers, uh, Mister Rogers' neighborhood, and a lot of it was in black and white. Yep. And then the apartment was in black and white. Mm -hmm. It didn't have to be, but it was filmed in black and white. Yep. It was right on that edge of when they were transitioning. And then we'll talk in a little bit. Tonight's movie, intentionally filmed in black and that white. That is correct. That is correct. The apartment, however. Yeah, the apartment did not make it to Pan. It did not. It did not. Um, so, in general, this is just as a little bit of foreplay tonight, because we're going to be talking about uh, um, a thriller a of a movie. Uh, like a... a, a some have called it a slasher film, but, yeah, but, but it's, it's a two. It's a two for a minimum of a two for. It's a yeah. Alfred Hitchcock thriller. So, so uh, in in general, what are some of your favorite um, thriller horror movie 
experiences, anything that like some, like things that like mm-hmm. uh, things that float your boat or that you really liked or they stuck with they you. They stick with me. Yeah. So uh, the two movies that that come to mind from my younger years uh, are uh, The Birds uh-huh. and uh, uh, um, uh, Omen. Okay. The first Omen movie, right? Those movies stuck with me for a lot of reasons, and in hindsight, now that I look at it, it had to do with the the imagery, the the the, the way they made you feel a thing that you were just watching. Yeah. And I know that we've talked about this before that I feel what I watch anyway. But in those cases, it wasn't. I felt like I was in the scene. I felt like I could physically actually feel what was occurring in the scene. The scene in the Omen. When the lightning strikes and the big spike up on top of the building falls down and like spears the yeah. the one priest, that scene and in the birds, mostly when they attack. I think there's one from a telephone booth and there's one where there's a I think it's a woman. She's either running to try to get in her car or she jumps out of her car. I don't remember, but it was a car and a woman and the birds attacking her. Those scenes, uh, they just stuck with me. A little bit more current, 1980s more current, uh, is. Um, uh, the Evil Dead, and specifically the scene when yeah. they open which, which one the first okay before Evil Dead to the remake of Evil Dead yes. yes okay the first one and they they uh, the one only one girl is infected with the Evil Dead she's the witch or yeah. whatever and they've got her locked in the basement and she convinces them to open the door and she's sitting at the bottom of the stairs rocking back and forth and cackling and and there's a weird light on her. That particular moment in that movie just yeah, stuck with me. So I've got two that stick out, in, like two movies that kind of stick with me mm-hmm. for for um, suspense, thriller, okay. drama, horror, like that whole genre. One is Pet Cemetery, uh, specifically the because first one. because of yeah the first one the way back the way back uh, because of cousin or aunt Zelda who lived who had like. Uh, uh, spina bifida, or like the the curves, or scoliosis of yeah. the spine, scoliosis. and she come like she 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 comes waddling to the side, and she's just kind of terrifying. Yeah. Um. But then uh, the other like that kind of sticks with me is uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Even though like I don't think it's aged well, I've watched it again. Yeah, like, it's very kind of uh, yeah. There's stop motion in there. Yeah, and there's all kinds of weird stuff that's uh, in there. Um. And, but. The reason that, yeah, there's slashing and there's cutting and there's sure. grabbing and all that, but the thing that messed with my head was the concept of of you can't fall asleep because this thing is going to kill you as soon as you fall asleep. And it messed with, like, in the, and they mess with your head of whether or not somebody has actually fallen asleep or not. Right. Like, the, the scene is they're trying not to fall asleep, they're staying awake, they're staying awake. Holy crap, they're being chased or they're being... Whatever yeah. they hear a sound, you're like, but they're not asleep, and yet they are. So, the head fake that they do in that movie, mm-hmm. where you don't know if they're awake or asleep or who's gonna like what's actually happening here, I think some of that shows up tonight in our movie. Agreed with Psycho uh, intentionally, intentionally head fakes, not sure what's going on, uh, changes directions. Uh, so let's get to the let's get to the movie and. We'll chat about some movie facts here. All right. Uh, the this movie is rated R. Psycho. One of the oldest 
movies uh, that is rated R because yeah, I it, it's been re-rated time and again. It was PG thirteen. It was PG then PG. It was M, which was PG, which are, yeah. and then it was PG thirteen and then fifteen for a little bit, and then in the eighties it became R. But here's the thing: no profanity. Nope. It's no got actual nudity. No actual nudity. It has a woman in her bra in repeated scenes, and that's as much as there is. And it has a side boob. In one, yeah, it's in like a, so in, fast, and it's but it's like a half a second. Yeah, yeah, and then there is almost no actual like cutting. There's it's none. everything that nope. is suggested. There's yeah, intentionally. Um, so the fact this R is baloney, <laughs> like it, it's an R for the it's an R for how it makes you feel. It's also I think if you if you think about when this R was given to it. It's an R for the material. The movie starts out with two people clearly have just post-coitus yeah, are hanging out together. That's not when it got an R, though. I'm it got an you. R in the 80s or I, the 70s. No, that's what I'm talking yeah, about was the yeah, 80s. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about the 80s. It was that. Then there was the 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 impression. They give you full impression that stab, 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 yeah. stab, stab. That the body's being thrown in the trunk and then dumped into the... Yeah. So, I mean, it's... The, I get, I get why it's R, but it's not R for the same reasons that R would be this now. Yeah, not, this this movie would be rated PG thirteen. That Nightmare on Elm Street is R because like blood, cut, oh, boobs, Lord. whatever. Yeah, yeah. breast, nipples, yeah, the whole deal. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, both breasts and nipples. Both, well, both. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. All right, so let, let's. Uh, I'll, I'll move through this. Yes, yeah, it's rated <laughs> So that was our first thing. Let's spend five minutes on what genre it is. Uh, so yeah, thriller, suspense, uh, mystery, slasher, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Um, the screenplay. So this it was a book by Robert Block, a protege of H. P. Lovecraft, who wrote the 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 book Psycho, which Alfred Hitchcock picked up like in an airport and read it. And then said, I want to do this movie. Uh, Joseph Stefano wrote the script for it, loosely adapted from Psycho. Yeah, only the pack that there was a guy that killed people, I think, pretty... Yeah, maybe the and, mother and they thing? expanded the, the other woman scene. And, yeah. yeah. Um, so he went on to do The Outer Limits in the 60s. Yeah. Um, it was produced by Hitchcock. Yeah, Stefano had also worked with him on his TV he, series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, music by uh, Bernard Herrmann. He's won Academy Awards. He did music for also like Citizen Kane, uh, Cape Fear, Fahrenheit 451, Taxi Driver, and a number of other things. The King and I. The uh, cinematography, John Russell, who had a huge career of like 80 films and shows, edited uh, edited by George uh, Tomasini, who worked with uh, Hitchcock on a number of films, but also... He has a crossover with Wilder, mm-hmm. Billy Wilder, from last time with Stalag 17, and then also on the Time Machine, which came up in 1960 for the Academy Awards mm-hmm. at the same time this did. Mm-hmm. Uh, known for his experimental cuts, and and, and Psycho is cut very uh, very starkly and interestingly. Even the recuts, if we get to talking about yeah. that, even the recuts are interesting the way they redid it. Uh, in theaters, in the DeMille Theater, as an opening on June 16, 1960, United States-wide, September 8, 1960. Uh, runtime of 109 minutes. It's a pretty svelte movie right pretty there. Pretty svelte movie. Shamley Productions uh, was the studio, which is Hitchcock's That's Hitchcock's, yeah. That's thing. what he did for his TV. And mostly. the reason that he did it was because this was the last picture he was, was going to do for Paramount. 
And uh, then he proposed this very low-budget film mm. to do, which he used his television crew to film the thing. Mm-hmm. They didn't like any of that. He said, I'll put up the money for it. Uh, you don't have to pay me, but give me 60% of the take. They didn't even give him studio space. He shot it at Universal yeah, across was, the street. He was going to Universal, yeah. so he shot a Paramount film on his own dime at Universal <laughs> Studio, and, <laughs> and nobody had faith in it, and uh, all he uh, he didn't get paid for it except for a 60% take of the film's profits. Right. Which, <laughs> which, which by the way, were substantial. Which we'll, is, we'll get there. Which is, in today's dollars, millions mm. of dollars. Mm. Um, uh, the cast, Anthony Perkins, uh... I don't know him. Is yeah, he in anything else? Yeah, uh, he was in Psycho. Huh. Was and he in Psycho, Psycho 2? 2 and Psycho 3. Huh. Yeah, he got typecast for a little Psycho. bit, but he did a good job. Vera Miles, John Gavin, uh, Martin Balson, uh, John McIntyre, and Janet Lee, who was a big name at the time. Big name at the time, and was cast specifically for what you would think would be the pivotal role of the movie, and did not get top billing, or second billing, yeah. or third billing. Yeah. <laughs> Which we find out later, after watching the film, that she dies There's, 48 minutes yeah, into the film. Not even halfway through. Uh, yeah. Janet Lee, uh, fun fact, is Jamie Lee Curtis's mother... The uh, J- Janet Lee and Tony Curtis mm-hmm. got together and made Jamie Lee Curtis. It's, but she spells her last name L E. Yeah, who then went and starred in Halloween, which had a, a horror scream film, scream queen vibe. Jamie Lee Curtis is known as one of the scream queens of the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, read me the synopsis there, Mr. Biggity Well, from IMDb, it says a Phoenix secretary embezzles $40,000 from her employer's client, goes on the run, checks into a remote motel run by a young man under the domination of his mother. I think embezzles 40000 is a, a little bit fancy talk. She just straight up steals it. She yeah. was supposed to go to the bank and she says, nope, and leaves to go to her, see her boyfriend. This tycoon brought in money that he wanted laundered, essentially, and Basically. she just took it. She just left with it. Uh, yeah. Um... Uh, let's go back and forth on the ratings uh, here. IMDb, 8.5 out of 10, which Ooh. is better than Saving Private Yeah, I was going to say, which is what, 8384? Yeah. yeah. Metacritic gave it a 97. Universal acclaim from 17 different critics, a 9.1 user rating. That's out of 10, I believe. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 96% fresh with a 95% audience score. And Google, 86% of uh, Googlers... I think that's what you would call yeah, them, right? Google, yeah. Googlers? Google goers. 86% on Google liked it. So, uh, Roger Ebert, uh, who wrote a review for this one himself, four out of four stars. Uh, he loved the film. Uh, he said, so Alfred Hitchcock told uh, Francois Truffaut uh, about Psycho, adding that it belongs to filmmakers, to you and me. Hitchcock deliberately, wa- deliberately wanted Psycho to look like a cheap exploitation film. Uh, he shot it not with his usual expensive feature crew, which he had just finished North by Northwest with, but with the crew he used for his television show. He filmed it in black and white. Long passages contained no dialogue. His budget, $807,000, was cheap by those standards for the day. The Bates Motel and Mansion built on the back lot at Universal, still around. Uh, its visceral feel in Psycho has more in common with no with noir quickies like Detour than with elegant Hitchcock thrillers like Rear Window or Vertigo, which I, is in Pantheon. Yes. Whatever make, what makes Psycho immortal, uh, when so many films are already half forgotten 
as when we leave the theater is that it connects directly with our fears, our fears that we might impulsively commit a crime, our fears of the police, our fears of becoming the victim of a madman, uh, our fears of, of getting slashed in the shower. He doesn't say that, but uh, any of these. And, of course, our fears of disappointing our mothers. Well, and he also doesn't say our fears of people realizing who we really are. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of time that the characters spend making sure others don't know who they really are. Now, there's a couple of fresh ones that we found from uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, uh, Peter, Peter John Dyers from Sight and Sound says, Psycho comes nearer to attaining an exhilarating balance between content and style than anything Hitchcock has done in years. Of course, it is a very minor work, but its virtues of tension, surprise, virtuosity, and control are all major ones. The, the next one is a little bit tempered. That's not, Tim Brayton. Yeah. Uh, Antagony and Ecstasy. Yeah. I don't know that group, but I'm sure uh, yeah. they're wonderful. It's not hardly Hitchcock at his most flawless, but not a single film he ever made is so absolutely flattering as a total experience. Would you like a little bit of... Uh, I need a refresher if you don't Another mind. snoot. Thank there we go. you. Uh, so, Esquire magazine, go for it. Yeah, so we got so there aren't a lot of negative reviews of this. So but, you found both. Uh, so I found both. Uh, <laughs> most of the negative reviews are from from your. They are uh-huh. from when the film came out oh. because Hitchcock wouldn't have any early screenings, so the film so the reviewers didn't get to see it on their own special screenings. Mm. So they were all kind of pissy that they had to see it on opening day with the hoi polloi. Oh, so man. so they they. Uh, the the suggestion is that they that they wrote scathing reviews early on, but many of them changed their tune. Uh, Dwight McDonald, Esquire magazine. I think the film is a reflection of a, a most unpleasant mind, a mean, sly, sadistic little mind. Wow. Uh, Dwight seems uh, uptight. Uh, now I think Dwight needs to yeah so, maybe find himself a young lady. So this young, one young man. I love C. A. Lejeune. Is from the Observer, okay, okay? Uh, and said Psycho is not a long film, but it feels long, perhaps because the director dawdles over technical effects, p- perhaps because it is difficult, if not impossible, to care about any of the characters. Wow. So C. A. Lejeune worked for the Observer, wrote this in 1960, mm-hmm. and immediately quit. <laughs> not only that, but left the film before it ended, and then quit. Uh, and then quit her post at the Observer. I'm thinking C.A. Lejeune was having a really bad day and took it out <laughs> on poor Alfred Hitchcock. All right. Uh, Metacritic has a couple other sure. mainstream reviews. Uh, Richard Brody from The New Yorker. The New Yorker says, Psycho, in its dark and sordid extravagance, remains utterly contemporary in its subject as well as in its production. Now this one is fun. Uh, from Metacritic has one negative, one mixed review from time. From time, this is the original 1960 review, mm-hmm. which uh, it, it says at first, uh, what is offered instead is merely gruesome. The trail leads to sagging Swamp View Motel into one of the messiest, most nauseating murders ever filmed. At close range, the camera watches every twitch, gurgle, conversion, and hemorrhage in the process by which a living human becomes a corpse. The nightmare that follows is expertly gothic, but the nausea never disappears. And I think the writer of this probably was like, oh snap, nobody will want to see it now. And I think that this review probably helped mm. uh, the movie. 
Now, drove people in. Uh, this review went on to say other negative things about the movie, mm-hmm. but even that year, I do believe that Time came back and changed their review to ah, mas- masterly and superlative. Ah, yes, yeah, because everybody loved it except for the reviewer. Right. Um, so we've got some from the hoi polloi oh, here right. of Metacritic, just the regular. Regular folks like me, you, and our listeners well, here. Like Wolf 001, yeah. who gave it a 10. I'm assuming that's out of 100. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Not ten. out of 10. Out of 10. <laughs> this film isn't a slasher film. Oh, that's 10 out of 10. My bad. This film isn't a slasher film. It's the best horror movie I have ever seen. Nothing can top this. The real horror in this movie is left in our imagination that's some real horror. So, uh, we read from this one last time, Meg Loves Fun. Mm, Meg. Uh, also attend the plot direction dialogue and Anthony Perkins' performance all contribute to this Hitchcock's masterpiece. Now, Rayman, 67, yeah. gave it a zero. Of the two, almost 300 reviews, there was four negative. Yeah, I was going to say, you probably had a dig in. Yeah. I watched this movie for the first time, I watched this movie for the first time recently, and this is the most... Barring, I'm assuming you left that in there that I way. I did. Two R's, by the way. Barring movie, I've, no apostrophe, lowercase, I ever seen. Sorry, I don't mean to nitpick <laughs> on the fact that this person has a poor, as horrible grammar, but, but, grammar, but uh, yeah. Wow. Now, now, I would say that these next words are probably ones that all we can all resonate with. I, I, I'm telling you, I, the first time that I read this, I thought to myself, I've never read something... That just spoke that, to you. That touches my yeah. soul. And this is from this David does. Del Norte, 23. That's uh, David of the North. Gave it a nine. And uh, and and said, in, in very much that you would say in, in your own native I tongue. I probably said this in uh, my sleep. Si tuviera que hacer una lista de la diez mejores de la historia. Hmm. Si mejores, probablemente esta película estaría dentro del ranking. You know, I was having a hard time understanding your accent uh, yeah. a little bit there, but... Um, I'm thinking this is a positive review. Yeah, it, it said if you had to put together a list Most of the ten best films in history, yes, the best, probably this should be included in the ranking. Top ranking, that's yes. right. Uh, and I, my apologies to anyone who knows any more than grade school Spanish because what I said there probably sounded uh, oh, a like little bit between horrible. Chicago? Yeah, like, or... like a cross between horrible and... And uh, offensive, Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, uh, we've got well, Facebook posts. Well, from the AV Facebook community, Paul Roman was everybody was asked, Is this movie Pantheon worthy? Yep. Everyone was asked this, and Paul Roman's response was. But of course, he said it that way. He yes, said, he said. But it, but of course, that, it w- <laughs> now m- most people don't know that about Paul Roman, but yeah. he he sounds like he's from the Little Mermaid. The Little like Mermaid, he, yeah. Like he works, yeah, or maybe he's on the uh, staff on the on the staff of the castle in yeah. Beauty and the Beast, perhaps. Yeah. yeah, you're like, hey, Paul Roman should uh, should 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 Psycho be in Pantheon? <laughs> but of course. <laughs> Zutano! Paul, we love you. Thank you. <laughs> Keep making comments. We're not making fun of you. We're just yeah. idiots. Kelly Smith. She says, absolutely, with not one, 
not two, not three, but four exclamation points. With spaces between each. I added the spaces oh, so I could my count gosh, them. But even she so. wrote them in a much more classy fashion. Oh, she was, yeah, a little more. Yeah, I am the one who is classless Joshua here. McLaughlin says, yeah. hail, yeah, yes. Yeah, that in the perfect Josh McLaughlin accent, accent uh, Emmanuel Abando Garza, who uh, says, yes? Yes? Uh, uh, with a question mark. So, uh, Emmanuel, I'm not sure uh, what you're thinking here, but uh, but you, you're on the edge. Soul Ott says, I think this is the one where I would officially declare the Pantheon irrelevant if it wasn't voted in. That's some gauntlet-throwing statements right there, Brad. I hope you're listening. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, in this one, I know, and everyone, please, if you're listening, please sit down right now. Wait. Because you will be shocked and appalled wait, at wait, wait, the wait. You... misdirection of the comment that we're going to hear Is this from, Zach? from Zach Appleseed Brown. Zach Appleseed Brown. You know Zach likes... He's like the he's like Mikey from that old uh, yeah. uh, we, uh, we Life have, commercial, We have right? come to call him Captain, Captain No. So, uh, Zach says, as usual... I'm going to say no. Oh, oh Zach. Zach. But for, not for the usual reasons. Oh, for he reasons. says, I just don't like this genre of movie in general. It's not that I don't like this movie. I don't like any movie like it. Yes. Uh, I don't understand why people like it. I see no redeeming qualities. At best, it's just a waste of time. Zach, let me tell you something. I totally uh, can almost feel... For Alfred Hitchcock upon reading your review. <laughs> and then I wrote something and submitted it to a panel of reviewers. And two people on the panel, their response was basically identical to yours. I would they their the response was basically I just, this submission is crap because I hate all submissions of this genre. Yeah. And I thought to myself, that's weird. I don't get it. But now, Zach, because of you. I do get it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. I understand. I wrote crap. You have opened our hearts to no. Nope. <laughs> uh, now, now, just so that we don't leave Zach alone in this one, mm, mm. Andrea Barr said, I was really disappointed with the first Psycho movie. Oh. Birds was awesome, though. Yeah, she doesn't hate Hitchcock. She just didn't yeah. like this movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Scott Herdliska says, this one seems... Like a no-brainer. So no? Uh, <laughs> it, it, there's no context, but I'm guessing yes. He says no. Scott, it's you a no, need to clarify. It's like a no-brainer. No-brainer. Right. So, uh, we have a first-time caller. Oh. Uh, not a caller, but a first-time writer. Michael. Here, uh, Michael Cavender, who just an hour ago. Uh, one hour ago. Had, had, uh, like I, I was begging him. To, to, he was going to write a review. Yeah, and he didn't, just he didn't, didn't have time. Wire. Didn't have time. But an hour ago, you said, "Listen, we're going to yeah. be recording the podcast." Yeah. So hey, post your thing, and yeah. we'll read it when we record yeah. the podcast. And, and he was, Michael, he, he was saying, I, "I don't have time to write anything that'd be worth a damn." All right. Uh, and, Michael, and, I, and I begged him. I said, "Michael, just it doesn't have to be much." And then he wrote just like eloquent baloney right here of just good baloney. stuff. Uh, and I'm not saying baloney in a bad way, but in a good way here. Oh, like fried eloquent yeah, baloney. Yeah, fried baloney. 
but he said uh, possibly the most influential horror film of all time, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, has an, had an ongoing impact on cinema for nearly 60 years. Its echoes can be felt in everything from the original Night of the Living Dead to Silence of the Lambs. I wouldn't doubt that most of the people on this planet would think of Psycho when they hear the screeching reet, reet, reet of those strings from the iconic sequence. Anthony Perkins gives a jaw-dropping performance as the awkward and troubled yet charming Norman Bates. The sex success of this film totally depends on his ability to keep your attention after the famous twist killing off the audience, what is led to believe the main character. Right. Goes on from there. Um, and just this is the very definition of a masterpiece uh, for many reasons, this film deserves that reputation. If you love the medium of film and you haven't seen this, you need to rectify that immediately. Highest possible recommendation. So, there you uh, go. I think he's on the fence. I'm thinking he's... Well, well he says highest possible <laughs> recommendation. So I think what he's saying is he might recommend it, but he's on the... No, he's yeah. clearly, clearly saying... Encore, encore. Yeah. So, it was amazing. Uh, so, uh, cheers to you, Michael. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. For for joining in the conversation. It's good to have you here. Mm. Mm. And that whiskey's delicious, too. Michael, I wish you could taste it. But, uh, hey, maybe you're not a whiskey guy. I don't know. Receipts. Receipts. Psycho, 1960. Box office, domestic, uh, $32 million. There was a little bit of international, I think Italian, maybe, receipts. But basically, $32 million. Uh, for for box office production budget budget was around eight hundred and seven thousand, definitely less than a million. With our uh, patented uh, butts in seatulator, I've yeah. actually named the calculator. Uh, it it does an index which takes the uh, price of tickets in the year and the amount they did. With our uh, uh, patented butts and seats index, with an average ticket price of around seventy cents. Uh, that means... For 40, 1960. For 1960. Yep. 45.7 million people had their butt in a seat watching this movie. The thing I like about, by the way, real quickly, about the Butts and Seats Index is it doesn't care about inflation. It's yeah. saying because the price to the admission is this... How many people overcame the price of admission and were willing to go watch the yeah, movie? Yeah, and it's not a perfect metric. Nothing no, it is, take but, video but it allows but it allows account. us to say, well, this movie made thirty two million, and this movie made nineteen million, and this movie made nine uh, hundred and thirty million, and us to be able to compare them. Yep, you know, so that take we can kind of kind of see what we're looking at of how what many people it costs saw it to get people. Uh, for, so forty five point seven million people went to see Psycho, uh, the Apartment, which was the last movie, nineteen sixty. Mm -hmm. Also, mm -hmm. uh, that this one that we looked at has forty eight point two million in a butts and seats from that year. That they're nearly uh, that they're nearly the same. Um, oh, you're you're looking at the average ticket price because you. You know what? You used a different metric oh, than I, I did. did. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, actually, so that the, the uh, they're still very close either way. They're very. Oh, you were using fifty-one cents from the um, IMDb Pro. That's right. That was and incorrect. And I was using was the seventy percent, uh, seventy cents. It's from, seventy cents. Yes. Uh, Box Office Mojo has yeah, a list. Right. Yeah, so as we're listening, if you're listening, this is the, there is a little subjectivity in the metric because we're using an average ticket price for the year across the U.S. And there's some variance in there. Well, in but any, if you look, if in, you look, yeah. uh, later on, we, we've got some other examples. 1958, it was 68 cents. Uh, and 1954, it was 49 cents. The 70 cents 
average ticket price is the most accurate number. Yeah, so uh, with a 70 cent uh, ticket price that the uh, apartment did a little bit less. A little less, maybe 42 million. Yeah. Uh, so comparisons, comparable, 1954 Alfred Hitchcock's rear window. Had I thought that was a direct comparison. Domestic gross of nine, of 36.8 million. Mm-hmm. The production budget uh, of a million dollars with an average ticket price of uh, 49 cents has a BSI of 75.1 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, so more people saw this one. Yes. Uh, Vertigo, 1958. Well, hold on, real, real quick. Rear window. Think about who's who's the stars in Rear Window. Yeah. So Rear Window. That was uh, uh, from Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy. What's his face from uh, the uh, the movie with the time travel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonderful life. Uh, yes. Or what's his wonderful last life? name? Jimmy, 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 Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart. Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. I, I, yeah. I, 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 I. So we were doing good Jimmy Stewart. We were. Yeah. So, but he had some big stuff. He's a big draw. Yeah. So there yeah, you yeah. go. 1958, uh, Vertigo. Another, yeah. Domestic gross, 7.7 million. A little bit more globally. Uh, production budget of two point four eight million, so um, cost a lot more to make. Cost it. a lot more to make three, almost three times more. It only had about a quarter of the viewers. Yeah, quarter of the viewers at sixty eight cents, eleven point three million. So mm-hmm. this one is Pantheon, but it has less of a viewership. Sure. Than, uh, the one we're talking the, about today. I was thinking about, let's take some other thrillers, maybe scary, maybe twists and turns. Yeah. The Shining, nineteen eighty. Um, Domestic gross forty five uh, million. It, it had another million or so internationally, but forty five domestic. It cost nineteen million to make it, and average ticket price that year nineteen eighty was two sixty nine. So only sixteen point eight million saw it, and that actually was like a very well received movie. I, yeah. I realize that Stephen King didn't like it, but it, but it did well. Yeah, and still not as well uh, as Psycho compared or... to the '90s Silence of the Lambs '91. Yes, there you go. Uh, domestic gross 130.7 million with a production budget of 19 million. The average mm-hmm. ticket price in that year of four dollars twenty one cents or so, with a BSI of about thirty one million. So uh, again, uh, about twice The Shining, but still not up to the level of what who went who you know the forty six million right. that went and saw Psycho. Right. I would say Psycho because of how it's aged, but also because of the 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 sequels and people going back and rewatching the original. I would say if if anybody can ever figure out what movies have been watched the most <clears throat> number of times, Psycho's going to be somewhere in that top set. People have watched it and watched it again and watched it again, you know? Yeah. It's one of those. Uh, so we, we've got some bits and pieces from uh, Cousin Wayne's nomination. Mm. And speaking of Cousin Wayne, uh, yeah. often when we're doing these podcasts that uh, that we will, uh, from it- the council members, that they will drop off some special gifts for us. Is it bribe time? It is bribe time. Bribe, bribe time. time. Bribe, bribe time. time. Bribe but time. we love the bribes. Bribe it's bribe time. So let's see. What do we have? What do we have? What All we have? right. All right. So uh, we've got... Uh, uh, a couple items here. One this, is in a uh, net bag. Is that yeah. Oh no, it's a hair. Oh, I see. It's a shower yeah. cap. So the first one. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's we'll a open, shower cap. We'll open that up. Oh, oh I've got mine. Oh, put that on. I'm gonna Heck wash yeah. that man right <laughs> out of my hair. I want to sing. I can man. bring home the bacon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, and then also. And then we also have. Uh, 
A so sponge. This is a, a sponge in a, in, a, in, a, in a net. In a net. With so, a hook. With a little hook so we don't have to drop the soap. No, that you put that around your hand. Not, not, not an accident. Yeah. So, no, I'm yeah. going to, I'm, honestly, I'm going to wear this shower cap at least once because it yeah. frustrates me that uh, I can't keep the uh, yeah, yeah. conditioner in my hair while I'm washing my face. That I can see that. Yes. And, uh, and you you need that because I it helps. Do. I have very dry, you, brittle hair. Yeah, but it's beautiful. Well, that, it's yeah. long and flowing. But more interesting, than, like, I wouldn't say more interesting, but like more intriguing. Are you going to propose? You have a box I you're pointing at me. Two, two black boxes that have a nice little sparkle to little them black, right there. These look like jewelry boxes, but uh, they don't have like an expensive brand um, name on them. So I'm gonna open we this up at the here? same time, right there. Oh, 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 what do we have? Oh, this <gasps> is fantastic, oh, cousin Wayne. <laughs> cousin Wayne. <laughs> this is, oh, if I can yeah. describe it. Yeah, 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 you yeah. know when you go and you get a key to your hotel room, how it'll have like a keychain little fobby thing. Which, by the way, those are meant to be stolen. Yeah. You can just return the key, and you can keep the fob. This little fob says Bates Motel. Old Highway 10, Fairvale, California, number one, yeah. unit number one. What you, what you can't hear right now is the 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 boyish grin that I can't put away uh, as I'm looking at this the, the, the room tag for Bates Hotel number one in my hand that I'm going to put on my keychain. And I am eyes wide as I'm looking at this right now. <laughs> To, to use a phrase from my, my good friend, Mr. Miggity Man. Oh, my God. Eyes wide. Um, Cousin Wayne, I was eyes wide when I opened this gift. This is amazing. Yeah. Wait, thank you very much. This is awesome. I love the shower head. I love the sponge shower cap. But the Bates Motel keychain. So, I, so I actually keep on my actual keychain a collection of really cool things that I like, including some metal tags from a couple of bottles that I enjoyed drinking. I am going to keep this uh, Bates Motel keychain on my key yeah. chain Old Highway forever. 10, Fairvale, uh, Fairvale, California. No, room number one. Drop in drop into any mailbox. We, we guarantee, guarantee postage. postage. <laughs> oh, and now that the highway came in, oh my it, you gosh. Know, nobody's around. Um, That's great. All right, so we've got we've got a uh, so uh, cheers to you, cousin Wayne, for that. And Slancha, cousin Slancha. Wayne. Slancha. We have uh, we have uh, some snid bits from your uh, review your right there, yeah. Mr. Miggity Mac. Uh, walk us through a couple of these. Sure, Python. Python. <laughs> you know Python, the movie. Psycho, Psycho is definitely a slow burn type of film, but it's well worth the waiting and suspense. I feel Psycho is pantheon worthy. It in is the mu amazing musical score. It's just one of those musical scores you can identify with right from the first few notes. Yeah, and I'm taking little bits and pieces. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Location, imagery, Norman's house, that bright neon sign that reads Bates Motel that he forgets to turn on because yeah. nobody ever goes there anyway. The shower death scene. These were all like yeah. fantastic moments during the movie he's referring to. And and I agree with him on this one. We'll talk about this in a minute. Anthony Perkins himself. This was the role that he was put on this earth to perform. Every movement, every line is delivered with perfection. I do realize that Pantheon already has one Alfred Hitchcock film in it. Rear Window is a great film, but I feel that Psycho is superior in every way. 
Even for those of you that say no to Psycho for Pantheon, it's all good. I just hope you're all able to enjoy the film and appreciate it for what it is. And that's a Pantheon-worthy film by every definition. There you go. Yeah, well said, Cousin Wayne. Uh, I I gotta say, um, the two elements of this movie that were my favorite was everything that Anthony Perkins did. Uh, literally, yeah. Right? Just every single thing that yeah. he, all the little scenes, the the two or three different characters that came out of his uh, mouth, his acting, his 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 performance. That was that was one of the things. The second one is, and I'm not sure that I'm not sure that 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 I've heard anybody else say this. The driving scene when she's uh, driving away with the money and she's imagining the conversation. That her boss and uh, coworker and the customer are having hold about the forty thousand dollars that she took. She, uh, she's timed it well, but it's because uh, Hitchcock was reading reading the lines to her while they were recording it. But she's driving car. It's a typical like camera point of view looking at the driver while the driver's driving, and her face only changes slightly, and yet her expression and the emotions that the character would be feeling are a hundred percent on display even though like her mouth only moved like a third of a centimeter to one side and she got a smirk and then her eyes just squinted a little bit and then she's just sort of looked off to the side and back at the road again like just brief tiny little motions i i, I wouldn't sure. i can watch that scene three times because i loved it yeah yeah almost like uh like uh uh, Uncle, um, like uh, Tio in uh, Breaking Bad, who doesn't have anything else to work with except for a little bit of a smir- smirk and a, a facial thing, but yeah, he like can you can see so much that's going on there, even though there's not a lot other that's happening. Just a small little yeah, non-verbal. yeah, yeah. The stroke victim guy with the bell. <clears throat> ding, 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 so, ding. Um, all right. So as far as uniquenesses and challenges, uh, so what would you say? Like, how is what is unique about this nomination as an entry? Like, like why why is this a unique entry uh, or nomination for Pantheon? Like, well, that's a, it's an interesting question. Uh, as I was watching the movie, I, I asked myself, what's unique about this movie? I think you have to either be part of the industry or go into a deep dive on the special stuff at the at the end of the movie, the behind the scenes, the interviews with the other players to get some of this. But like he had no reason to shoot a black and white movie, it, color color was already a thing. He had no reason to to cast it the way he did, fund it the way he did, or put it together the way he did. He was making a movie that he it seems like uh, he Hitch, Hitchcock was making a movie that it almost seemed like he didn't care if anybody liked it or not. It felt like he just was making a movie for himself. He even said to the uh, the other director, this is a movie for us. Yeah. Like, like, and, uh, like, he was looking at these other film houses that were doing these schlock films yeah. and low-budget stuff, but were making money. Yeah. And, like, they're very successful because they were making money, but he was like, what if somebody who was, like, and this is who Hitchcock's narcissism, yeah. uh, uh, 
which um, we'll have to circle back to include his wife in the conversation yeah. because she's a major part of the well, the, the process. Yeah. Uh, but he said, what if somebody good did it? Yeah. What if someone <laughs> made one of these, it's quote, like, like hockey movies, except yeah. this person actually knows how to make like movies. a hot dog or a, or a street taco yeah. where somebody says like, oh, these things are good and people make money off them. But what if the best chef, yeah. what if Guy Fieri made it? Oh, the best chef you can imagine. That's Guy... the best. I'm sorry. That is the best chef. <laughs> Do you not like Guy Fieri? Guy, uh, Guy Fieri. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I watch grocery games and I know what he is. Uh, and I would say, like, this film was, uh, it, it subverted all sorts of expectations. It did. In what, terms what of, movies? it didn't have to be black and white, nope. and it was. It didn't have to be filmed like, uh, funded like it was, but it was. It was a film that start, started somebody and you thought it was going one way and then killed off the protagonist and replaced it with another. And you didn't like, they didn't like, oh, wait, she didn't really die. Wait, she's still alive. Bullcrap. And, and, and also then, uh, like, it had, it had a twist at the end, but then the way the film was marketed so that nobody could show up late into the movie theater. So you, right. So you got the full experience. Yeah, I mean, they not only, they not only did that, they, they fake marketed by like advertising to uh to uh cast members for characters that weren't actually yeah. even in the Hitchcock movie. Hitchcock started a rumor that they were casting for the mother of Norman Bates yeah. so that they could hide the fact that Norman there was Bates, no mother of Norman Bates. W- was dead. Uh, or the fact that he didn't let Anthony Perkins and Janet Lee do do any interviews prior to the movie or that he had screened like all of it sum- subverted these expectations so that he could craft it was an auteur experience so he could craft the audience uh so he could play the audience like a fiddle now, in the way he wanted now you know how like sometimes somebody will go say oh well you're only able to do that because of who you are yeah like yeah i realize your attitude about xyz topic is this but it's because of who you are you're able to have yeah, that you're privileged yeah you're privileged you're whatever it is so the fact is if it wasn't alfred hitchcock he wouldn't have got away with some of that stuff if it if it wasn't alfred hitchcock he couldn't have kept the critics at bay he couldn't have lied yeah. to the to the agents and got away with it and still had agents working with him the next yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. He couldn't have done that, but it's because he's a Hitchcock. But again, if you think that if you go on the assumption that Hitchcock was saying, I, I, if I make a movie for less than a million dollars and it's this sort of slasher, we'll call it a slasher movie, it's this schlock, shock type movie, what if I made that movie and I made it with a low budget crew not that his crew weren't good, but they weren't used to making movies. They were making yeah. TV shows. But I did it with the and, I, and and I spent money in the right places for Bernard Herman. Yeah, for George yes. Stefano, for 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 Norman Bates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For for Anthony Perkins, yeah. for Janet Lee, like and some of the other supporting characters. In. You and I might not see those names and go, oh yeah, that's. Yeah. But they actually were fairly big names for the time. The sheriff. The the uh, the the rich Texan guy with the money. Yeah. The um uh uh, uh the, the the boyfriend was uh a, was an up and coming star sure. with Universal bef- and had a contract with Universal before he made this movie. So he was an up and comer. Yeah. All right. So anyway. before before we get too far into yeah, that. Yeah. 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 Um. So what are the like 
what are in your in your estimation what is the what is or are the challenges of this as a nomination well like what challenges will it face there's one and that some people don't like horror flicks or they don't like black and white movies or they don't like old movies and I, 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 I don't there's no other way for me to put it that there will be people and I don't know if those are on the council or not but there will be folks that say no because it fits in a whatever the little pocket or category is that this sits in, because it was made in 1960 and then he made some interesting choices, that they're just not going to like the movie. They're going to like the remake better or whatever. By the way, it never dawned on me why they wanted to remake Psycho shot by shot by shot in color modern until I rewatched it again and I went, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. But anyway. Just so you could see what it looks like in color. What it looked like in high def, what it looked like in color, what it looked like with modern techniques, what it looked like yeah. with the, all the things. And, and, and to be honest... It, it almost it, like this is one of like uh, because I, I've done so social yeah. psych research and stuff yeah. uh, where where you test for something to see if there's an effect and then you find nope there is no effect so like you have this shot for shot remake yeah and then you're like did this make a better movie and the answer was no, no. if not actually a little worse movie because no because the performances l- weren't as good and, and there's less left to the imagination yeah. Yeah. And, and that sort of stuff yeah um and I would say, like, a, maybe a challenge for this film is that people would compare it to other Hitchcock films and say, if it's not Agreed. like, like, like X, like this panthe, this Hitchcock film should be in Pantheon, but uh, Psycho, for in their mind, doesn't compare to that mm-hmm. other film to say, then mm-hmm. well, maybe it doesn't belong. Yeah, similar to Wilder from last time. Sure. Yeah. Like potentially this Wilder, but not this yeah, Wilder. Yeah. 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 Um, so. A couple of insights from the movie, okay? Right. Um, or insights about the movie. Uh, some things that I thought were interesting. One was just the power of s- the suggestion of violence. And not just violence, but also nudity and sex. Yeah. And intimacy and private pri- uh, private moments. All the suggestions of those things uh, were amazing. And, and we, we already tapped into this a little bit by saying this movie is rated R yeah for no good reason uh, like 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 certainly for no uh, 2020 reason yeah like when they were rating this and they had the the, the MPAA people come out and look at it or like if I remember the story correctly that the person said oh you can't show that there's a breast and he said no and Hitchcock said no there's not no there's not. Because I didn't put one in there. Let's yeah. play it again. Yeah, play go, it slow. You imagine the person yeah. who directed it and was there with the edit. You know, I know that the movies are edited by a person. Yeah, but the director is right there. You know, yeah. it's not like the director goes, "Okay, you edit it," and then walks away. Yeah, the fact is, the director knows frame by frame by frame by frame exactly what is in that yeah. movie. Yeah, or the fact where they're like, "Oh, well, that's so brutal because there's so much slashing," and then you there's go frame none. by frame. There is never once an insertion of the knife. In, in fact, I, I, in doing this research for this movie, I read up an article. I wish I could remember who wrote it, uh, but it was somebody from... It was like a, 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 a crime scene investigator, yeah. crime scene expert or somebody that teaches crime scene research. 
they said with as many times as Norman uh, stuck her yeah, with a yeah. knife, there should have been a hundred times more blood. And that's when and I was there watching. was almost yeah. none. And that's... in fact, the only blood that he moves moves around with the mop looks like they sprayed it with a uh, a yeah. spritzer, like that, an atomizer on the my, wall. That was like. As an avid like CSI or right. horror movie or Saw movie person, they were like like, like there's like a li- like like a like a like a little trail like a, like a chef would put on a plate yes, of blood exactly. She's supposed like, to be standing. This, this would be covered. She's supposed to be standing in the shower. Norman is actively stabbing yeah, her in the chest in the again heart. and again. She would and she's slumping spray. down yeah. and and by her foot. Was two little rivulets yeah. of barely pink water, and I'm like, and it's not pink. You said pink. Oh, it's yeah, of black, and black and white. So and it, they, it could they, have been, br- it could have been blue. It was who knows? It was brown because they did it with chocolate syrup. Yeah, who knows? They did it with like like Hershey squirt chocolate yeah. syrup. So yeah, black and white. So there you yeah. go. Yeah, in my mind, it was pink. Obviously not. It's not. It was it, it like so they used chocolate syrup. Well, to that do makes that. sense. So it's like, black and white. Yeah. Um, so I just think that like it, the power and suggestion of things is just so, so well so, on display in this. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, the power and suggestion of anything, whether it's proportion, scale, yeah. distance, it's like the head in the box on size, seven. Yes, which we never see. We never see it, right? But the that power and suggestion. But even like think about like a Star Wars, yeah, uh, the like uh, New Hope when it first came out. Like you see this huge ship to scale to a small ship to that's all done with distance and perception and yeah. and and play with the, isn't that the same thing that Hitchcock did? Yeah. So and the other thing that I that that struck me was the um, the impact of like and sometimes the artistic coolness that comes out of having to be confined by a budget. Yeah, just like Shakespeare was confined by fourteen lines 14 of text lines of a for a sonnet, that uh, that yeah. that he he wrote, like and many other poets mm-hmm. that they would write this beautiful stuff because like you they were confined to iambic pentameter with a with a you know a, a five swing couplet plus another couplet at the you know. Uh, yeah couplet at the end or, or, or six plus two well, even with, if you narrow it down to a haiku yeah. i mean you're limiting yourself to something very specific and it takes it takes artistry but it takes a conservation of your urge like and, you, you, and, you can't just say oh you know yeah. what we'll have five cars drive in here we can't uh, afford five sim- cars similar to uh similar to then um stephen king with his early years of writing where he was confined to the number of pages he could write. Because he could only write for magazines. Yeah. And he was being, his stories were being purchased by men's magazines and sci-fi magazines and stuff. And he was told it's this many words. Yeah. And so that was all he had. And some of that early work is is just revered as being the tightest most tightest stuff that he wrote because he he didn't he didn't reach fame yet right uh, so he could do what he wanted the stand was busily growing like a wart in his back room while while he was you know writing this tight uh stuff all right so let's uh do a little breakdown sure uh so uh we're at uh 50 we're, we're at about 55 minutes in give or take a little bit right now um Acting and casting. What do you think about it? Well, I already mentioned that uh, that I'm pretty much into the character of Norman Bates and how that was done. Uh, I really liked 
uh, some of the small parts, the, the part of the sheriff and his wife, who in my mind, uh, and this is a stretch because we haven't talked about this yet, in my mind, the sheriff and his wife were like Hitchcock and his wife in the way that they, the sheriff would say, well, I think we'll do this. And his wife was like, oh, now remember, we've got to do this. Yeah. Right? So that was kind of, uh, that's the way Hitchcock and his wife Irma, worked. Irma? That sounds right. Yeah, uh, but I like that part. I like the part. Uh, I, I, for whatever reason, I never bought into the investigator. I think that that was almost like a utility role. But, oh, but you didn't like Arbogast. I, I don't know. I liked Arbogast. Yeah, I, 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 I just didn't buy into it for whatever reason. But, but, but he was serviceable. He did a job. His job was to drive the story forward. Why did anybody care what happened to this girl? Yeah. Well, number one, she had forty thousand dollars, and he kept poking. Right. Uh, Norma Bates' character, of course, uh, of course, uh, uh, Vivian Lee's, or I mean, uh, yeah, Lee's character, she was, she was great. I liked her a lot. I already mentioned, like, the driving scene and, and that stuff. The cop, Alma. Alma, Alma there Alma, it is. Alma, yeah. Alma. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the wife. The cop, who, like, just basically is a, is, is just reflective it's a head, glasses. a nose, <laughs> and two giant reflective glasses. My wife walked through the room and she said, did cops wear those reflective glasses in the 60s? I said California cops probably did. Yeah. At least the California ones did, well, so there you go. You know, and, and, and the boyfriend, Sam, or, or Yeah, no, I liked him. He, he, I thought he, he did was well. Fun. He was actually in almost the entire movie from the first scene to yeah. the end. And he was nicely chiseled as very, well. I mean, very he had a good, looking a good dude. physique like Brad. He could Like Brad? Like Brad. Very does. much like if Brad. If you haven't seen Brad... He has a great physique. You know, the thing about... Well, you know, another time. That's yeah, something for we'll, another time. We'll get my back gosh, to... we could just so go on. Here, uh, so here's my unpopular opinion. All right. I love Anthony Perkins. I think he's fantastic. Every second on stage. Every second. It, it, on screen, he's amazing. My unpopular opinion is that uh, Janet Lee, I could take her leave. Okay. Fair the, enough. Uh, like, of the people in the film, that she just didn't do a lot for me. Okay. Uh, but then again... I felt kind of the same way the last time around with Jack Lemon and uh, Shirley McLean. Yeah. So my opinion may be suspect Don't because know. everybody else loved those people. Well, I liked, as I said, the thing I liked about her performance was while she was in the car, and she literally was physically doing almost nothing. She was saying nothing, and she was reacting. As we find out if you watch the special features to the movie, she was reacting to. Hitchcock reading the lines off camera. Sure. So, and you know, I don't know how many times they shot that, but whatever it was, it worked out really well. So, uh, uh, for me, like Vera Miles, I thought was fantastic. How about I? I, I, I loved her. I, I even I, like the. I, I know it was nepotism, but yeah. But Patty Hitchcock. Patty or whatever, Hitchcock. Or, yeah. Uh, or whatever. Her Hitchcock's name was. daughter who Hitchcock. was the other secretary. <laughs> yeah. Who, by the way. Uh, uh, she's done a lot of work, and not just because of who her father is and who her mother is, but but uh, she has a very niche role. She will always be cast as that um, very uh, homely, yeah, or plain. plain. I would almost say plain. plain Jane. Plain Jane. Plain Jane is perfect. She's yeah. a plain Jane girl. Who she seems to always play yeah. a nice person. Homely suggests ugly. Yeah, but she's not ugly. No, no, she's no, not it's just plain Jane. In fact, she looks exactly like her mom. Yeah. Plus her dad. Yeah. But twenty five years younger. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, super hot. <laughs> well, her dad is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, like, all right. We all like yeah. Um, How yeah. about directing and editing? Directing and editing, I think 
uh, bar none. Yeah. Like I, I can't like like directing. It's Hitchcock, the one, uh, and this goes into script as well. The one scene that, and I'm not alone in this, and reviewers r- agree. I think I'm right with you. Is the psychiatrist at the very end of the film that that could have been cut down to a three second, uh, a three line scene, or voiceover of Hitchcock. Could have been uh, text, uh, not Hitchcock, uh, Bates. Yeah, so like, but but uh, that that's I don't want to say universally agreed, but almost like everything it, that I've ever seen from anybody who complains about the like. movie. I tell you what, it felt that. like it felt like there was twenty more minutes of the movie planned where they were going to reveal like, well, this is why he acts the way yeah. he is. He's actually fully his. But then instead of doing it, they had a character come on and give a soliloquy at the end. So uh, we were actually in a play a year or two ago where the end of the play was a character walking on stage who was the local sheriff who then gave a four-minute speech yeah. that wrapped up every loose end of the play. So that that would be the end of the play. Yeah. And it felt... Exa- that was Tartuffe, by the way. And it felt exactly the same. It That's was a like, deep cut for oh our listeners. Tartuffe. Molière, 17th century French author. Uh, Tartuffe, <laughs> horrible, you know it about it. Also story. known as the imposter. Horrible, yeah. horrible. Not a, not a good play, although we had fun doing it. The fa- my point is... My point is... Having this one person walk in at the end and go, oh, and by the way, blah, 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 blah. And that solves everything. And you kind of go, no, it's like you watch Sixth Sense. And at the the very end, like a psychiatrist comes out and and, and then explains, see, the kid was actually seeing dead people (laughs) because he has a gift. And Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. I'm sorry for all of you who have not seen Sixth Sense. Or or at the end, if you watch The Fifth Element and somebody's like, and also, the fifth element was actually love, if we didn't make that clear. Uh, <laughs> but they you know, spent 20 minutes saying yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, like... Well, uh, that was another piece me, of this movie. That, 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 was, that was the major misstep of the movie. Not, a, not It wasn't even necessary. Honestly... It, it didn't undermine the movie no, for me. No, but it was but not it, necessary. It and then also, for me, the, and it, like for me, I felt like the first scene dragged. Like of them uh, in the of them hotel room? like the like her in the white bra in yeah, the hotel room. Them, yeah, yeah. Like they were establishing the movie that wasn't going to happen. I For get sure. it, but I just felt like it just went long. I tell you something. The driving when she left, the driving did go on and on and on and on and on. And there was an, another cut of the movie that went from her uh, in the original cut in the original cut she gets sleepy she pulls over to the side of the road so she won't wreck her car she falls asleep on the front seat and a police officer tap 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 on the window wakes her up and and then and then asks her some questions and she oddly just sort of drives away from him and um and then he follows her for a little while and then and she then she decides the hotel she, she decides she better switch cars so she goes to a town and goes to a used car dealership, acts completely suspicious, swaps cars with the cop watching the whole time, and again, oddly, just drives away. And then she she ends up at the hotel. That's the original cut. In the more efficient cut, and this is where the movie is only, I think, like 85 minutes long yeah. or something like that, she gets kind of sleepy and 
and it's and it, and it's getting dark, and she she can't, her eyes are drooping, and then she sees, sees the, the Bates Motel, Motel, and she oh, pulls yeah, in. Okay. And I thought to myself, you know what? That actually would have been a tighter movie. That makes a much tighter movie because all this nonsense with swapping cars and all that was so she would evade yeah. detection. But she was being observed the entire time, which which the uh, like. This and the is cop very never min- plays into this. The very minor thing, the cop never comes back. No, why wouldn't which, the cop be a part of the investigator's like, like, story, why, right? Why, why do you bring him into the story if he doesn't come back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, yeah. these are minor quibbles, but those are those are. But the, he wasn't necessary. But and neither was the psychiatrist. For me, and this is kind of like taking screenplay and story, which I love the story. I love the screenplay. Yeah, sure. But um, for me, it's not perfect. No. Like no. there are a couple of for me a couple mm. of missteps. I think so. The the for me the opening drags out a little long. The the driving probably takes a little long, and the cops doesn't necessary. show show up, and the psychiatrist at the end. But for also, me, the rest of it. You know the scene really where she's tight. in town, and she's sitting at the stoplight. She's decided to drive away. Oh, with and the sees money, the boss, and the boss literally <laughs> walks across the street in front and, of her and does like a Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> and then drives away, and then she drives away anyway. Again, wasn't necessary yeah. because it really it didn't play into the rest of the story. But it maybe was, it played into the head fake. It I was don't know. it was the head fake. I guess, but because we've seen the movie and it's yeah. part of our culture, yeah, that we don't we're not affected by that head fake in the same way. Now, standout moments yeah. in the screenplay and story. I yeah. think the mother uh, being. Uh, a, a a another one of Norman's stuffed creatures yep. that he just hung around as long as possible. I think that was excellent. The fact that he would play both roles, mother and himself, and eventually lose himself into the into the mom character. Whether the psychiatrist tells us that at the end or not, we already knew it. Um, those were fantastic, and I the, think uh, they al- were also great. the the the. Uh... The fact that he couldn't even say the word bathroom in front of a female. Right. Like, it was just, like, these are all excellent moments of yes. just laying out the character. Yeah. Um, just very fun things. I wonder if, in 1960, seeing a room full of stuffed birds and creatures and stuff would be shocking by itself. I don't know if in 1960 or not. everybody saw that yeah. stuff. Where uh when I was watching this now and I'm like, "Oh, this guy likes to kill animals and then stuff them." He's definitely a serial killer. Yeah. Like <laughs> like the the little clue that your that your little boy goes in the backyard and kills animals. And I don't mean he hunts them. No. He just kills them. Like people give him dead animals, and he's like, "This is cool." So I yeah. think the <laughs> cinematography and location. I think that, uh, and and some of this was revealed in sort of the extra specials yeah. at the end of the movie. But you know, they, they like you said, they built the house and the motel on the Universal back lot. It's still standing there. It's been maintained. It's, it was reused in the reshoot. Uh, they had to change some things, but anyway. But uh, there's a story about they were all set up for a scene where I think Norman comes walking down. From the house in the rain, uh, uh, you to, heard that to too? find her to find Lily, Lily. And, and like on that night, there was a full, full moon, moon. <laughs> and, you could, and it was literally in the background. So they had like four gaffers yeah. with long poles and, and like a giant cloth. circle, <laughs> so that they could hide the moon. And they literally hid the moon. So I went back and watched the scene. You can freaking see it. 
it's you can see it. It's this weird spot where there's no rain for a circle. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, kind of a big square, but anyway, oh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. But I didn't notice it. The but first it's the time. trickery of film. It wouldn't have worked if it wasn't in black and white. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, not at all. Not like at all. you'd have seen it. You would have seen it there. Yeah. And I saw it because I was looking for it. But like, like when you watch a stage play, and you if you let your if you let your mind and your imagination drift back, so you can see the lights. And the stands yeah. and the edge of the decorated uh, stage, and you kind of which for me is all the time, all the time. But if I kind of pull myself back and see <laughs> the edges, then that kind of weird for me. I want to be sucked in and just focus on the story. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so like that. but but I would say cinematography and locations that like it's excellently filmed and like yeah. it has so many iconic elements: the house, the shower, the yeah. even even like. Building a rig so you can see the shower head. Right. Uh, right. Like it. it like. It, well, that wasn't just, shot in the actual shower, but still yeah. remaking the top portion of the shower so you can see. Yeah. It. They shot some of the shower scenes in a mock-up on the on a backstage, a mock-up of the shower because there was no way to get a camera in 1960 in that position yeah. inside yeah, yeah. the hotel. But still, I I I think that was done well. Um, How about? Score. How about the score? Oh, so. th- this is this again, bar none. Just a fantastic score. I think did and well. it, like it, 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 um, it, it utilized because Bernard Herman said it's in black and white. It's stark. Let's just use strings, which changed the way that people then score uh, horror movies. Even after this, mm-hmm. um, and it's. Every sound is iconic. Mm. Like you listen and you're like, oh yeah, I know where it's at. What I will say is that there was a couple moments, and I think that this is more an issue with uh, some of the missteps with the script slash directing that the script that the the score was you overutilized because you were doing so much driving. Mm-hmm. So yes, we were yeah. like we were kind of looping. It was looping. In fact, I think there was only like a 30 second or 40 40 second uh, yeah. uh a musical loop. And then and then and then all that whole long driving yeah. it was the whole same 40 seconds. Yeah. So like for me like like this like the music was great but the it, like it got a little repetitive yeah uh, it did not and, not and again, bad but that's not they an issue of the score scene. it's the scene cut they could have trimmed yeah. the scene and the music wouldn't have been repetitive but uh the the fact that he was able to work in budget not mm-hmm. have a whole orchestra yeah. and then the uh the reed 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 becomes i again i'm using the word iconic again I know. Is the it's iconic where they use the sound to signify the killing, but they use that sound in how many movies? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. and not just parody movies like Scream but it starts here. and Scary Movie, but in like a bunch of movies, a sound like that. And then you bring back that stabbing noise at the very end of the film. <laughs> uh, fantastic uh, special effects. There were a couple of special effects in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which was the fading of using the mother's skull overlapped on Norman's face at the very end as they fade then into the car. Yeah. So there was kind of like this film trickery that was going on. So you could see the mother was inside of Norman. Inside of Norman. But just just a simple special effect of of model, the the uh, mummified 
because yeah. she'd been dead 10 years or so. Yeah. The mummified uh, corpse of Mother was actually very good. And the, the way that, uh, according to lore, the way that Alfred Hitchcock figured out which one to use is that he would sneak the corpses into Janet Lee's trailer so that when she walked in, he would listen to her scream, and the one that she screamed the most at was the one they used for the film. Oh my god. <laughs> And they also had a special effect in there of when the car sinks down yeah. into the swamp. Yeah. Because they built a, a new, like a pneumatic lift in, right. into the into the. So you know the part where the car stops yeah. and he kind of looks at it and then it goes that, again. Yeah. That was actually planned. Yeah. So well, because it was on a ramp, it went onto the it, to the press. Yes, they brought they it down. The press it brought it down, and then it had to go to the next yeah. part. But they just they could have just they could have cut it so the car just slowly. Just yeah. goes but away. But he wanted to mess with people's heads. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and it did. The first time I saw the movie, I thought to myself, oh crap. What if the car's sticking out of the swamp? He's going to get busted. And Didn't even it... think about the fact that this wasn't the first time he had done it. Yeah. That there were probably other cars and bodies well, in that like, swamp. <laughs> and I love it where you're like, oh crap. What if it doesn't go down? And then it goes down and you're like, oh crap. Oh. What if it does go down? <laughs> oh wait. There's fucking... <laughs> no, the money's in there. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, uh, let, I, I included some information here about the 33rd Academy Awards because it was fun because we just talked about uh, The Apartment, which got four different Academy Awards, mm-hmm. uh, four different Oscars that year. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, So, this was nominated for for four but didn't get any of them yeah it nominated that for one that wilder got for the apartment it was for best direct director. best director uh supporting actress uh janet lee was nominated but she didn't get it this was given mm. to somebody from uh the Embry. Uh, i can't remember her name the uh, uh yeah cinematography black and white the this went to a different film and then art and set decoration for black and white went to the apartment for mm-hmm. Troner and Boyle, uh, as opposed to this one, it did win a couple of other awards like Scream Award and Independent Something This and sure. That, um, and it has it has gone on the number one AFI list for uh, best thriller uh, and that sort of stuff. Um, but there is, I'll say this: there's so much ink that has been spilled on this film. Sure, so many people like it, and it's it's such an iconic classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is there's do- you saw that there's a documentary on it uh-huh. that we we both yeah, watched. Yeah. Um, that uh, we'll just run through a number of the trivia. Like uh, Hitchcock loved the score from Herman so much that he doubled his salary to thirty four thousand, and said that thirty three percent of the success of the film was just because of the music well, alone. He, number one, he could afford that because he was still two hundred thousand yeah. dollars below budget. The, the next one is is a fun fact right here. That Mr. Perkins had a special nickname. Yeah, Alfred Hitchcock would call him Master Bates. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I don't follow. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You mean... Yeah. Oh. Uh, Janet Lee never took a shower again after this film. <laughs> she said that uh, yeah. watching the movie... Filming it wasn't a problem, but watching the movie made her realize how vulnerable... A woman was in the shower, and to the end of her life, she only took baths. Yeah, Marion Crane, uh, Janet Lee's character, in the beginning of the film, she's filmed twice in bras. The first time, she's virginal, 
Three uh, times. And, as in, and is wearing white. She's wearing white, but when she's... When she I say sleep, virginal. She just not virginal. When, she just got the, done sleeping in the open with, sea. Uh, yeah, Sam. she did. She did just get done sleeping. But with she Sam. hadn't stolen she had money broad. yet. As soon as she made the decision to steal the money, She's she was in black seen bras. in a black bra and, yeah. and the black bra again once in apartment in in the uh, in the uh, cabin that she was murdered in right before she uh, decides to take a shower later. But the, but yeah, so she goes to black bras and I, and obviously that's to. Sin, sin, uh, Indicate yeah. that her, her decisions now, are yeah, now black. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so one of the things that Hitchcock would look at, uh, did well with this movie, was marketing the movie, yes. where he he wouldn't let people come into the theater late, and then he would have theater managers uh, announcing over the loudspeaker, ten minutes to psycho time, five minutes to psycho time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that. He had a cardboard cutout installed in the theaters uh, where it would say, the manager of this theater has been instructed at the risk of his life not to admit the theater to the theater any persons after the picture starts any spurious attempts to enter by side doors, fire escapes, or ventilating shafts will be met by force. Or in the ventilation shaft. The entire <laughs> objective of this uh, extraordinary policy, of course, is to help you enjoy Psycho more. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock, and we saw in the documentary that said that we won't even let in the queen herself, God the bless queen her. herself, God bless her soul. Uh, that he filmed it in black and white because he thought it would be too gory in color. Well, also, you know, chocolate's cheaper than fake blood. Yeah. Uh, this was the first on-screen, on-air toilet flush. Ah, that's hilarious. Like, uh, because yeah, of, she tears up the paper. Yeah, and yeah. she throws it in the toilet and flushes it. Production standards, which like were going out at the time, around 1960, around this time, uh, previously Hollywood had had to comply by these uh, production standards that were now being loosened, mm. and he was challenging all of them, including why don't we have a toilet on screen? Uh, uh, Janet Lee wore moles. They tried a bunch of different things to hide her nudity in the film. And well, she she didn't want to actually be naked on yeah. set, and they they weren't going to show couldn't. her. Yeah, well, they weren't going to show her, but they couldn't actually actually have her. There was yeah. there were union rules and other rules. She couldn't actually be naked on set, but she's doing a shower scene, so she had moleskin pasties. Yeah, you would never see them. And the lady that we we were listening to in the documentary said, "Like that's when I got to know her really well." <laughs> <laughs> but but here's the other thing, and and something we skipped over. Uh, Hitchcock would tell her, "This is the camera line. Like this is yeah. the edges of what we're going to be able to see." And uh, sometimes when they were rehearsing scenes, I don't recall this was in the documentary or in something else I read, they would have a string that, okay, as long as you're below this string or to the right of this string or to the left of this string, you are out of frame. And so if there's like your hip that's inside the string, your hip, the edge of your hip would be on. If it's your arm, it's your arm. If it's just one side of your face... And then they would take the strings away, of course. Yeah. And then they would film it, and then uh, he didn't have to crop. Yeah. He said, "No, no, we're not. You know, we're not." Cr-. He famous didn't do it anyway. He shot what he was shooting. But, yeah. But he would, uh, he would uh, say, "This is the camera line." That well, Anthony Perkins. Yeah. A scene where he's folding her up in the shower curtain. Yep. They practiced. They didn't want it. to show the body in the. No, thing. not yeah. anything of the body. So, and uh, this goes to Saul Bass was the guy who wrote. Who, who drew the uh, production uh, storyboard yeah. 
for all the shots. Like he, he was like, I want to storyboard this out. Saul Bass is the guy who did it. Okay. There was a time where uh, there was a little controversy that Saul Bass said that he directed the shower scene. Oh, that's funny. But then somebody, everybody else who was on screen said or on set said, no, you didn't. We we were there. Yeah. But, but I think what he was saying is that he I laid it out. Laid it out. But he's also the one who did the opening credit scenes for when Psycho Tex comes up mm-hmm. and then it breaks. Yeah. Uh, he did that. But uh, as you were saying is that they didn't have to cut because like with Saul Bass laid out the shots, Hitchcock shot the shots, right. and then everybody did what they had to do. Everybody did what they had to do. He said, you can do whatever you need to do as long as you stay yeah. outside my shot line. Uh, fun, fun fact on this, Janet Lee was on set for three weeks to film and one of the three weeks, so a third of the time was, was set on doing the shower scene that it had 78 different cuts of film that they pieced together in the 45 second shot. Uh, If you go back and watch it again, you'll see you spend a second and a half on a, on a clip. Yeah. There are more cuts in here than Liam Neeson jumping in Taken of him (laughs) getting over a fence. (laughs) Uh, uh, so, um, that, uh, in addition to that, so down here, this yeah. is a fun. So well, the movie passes. They call what is the Bechdel the test? Bechdel. I'm oh, sorry, Bechdel test. There are more than two female characters with names: Caroline, Lila, and Marion. Uh, uh, like in the Bechdel test, is do you have female characters? There's actually a fourth. And then right. also, do, do they, they talk names? about anything that's not related to dudes yeah. and relationships? The two of them have. Uh, yeah. Two of them have conversations about something besides men. And Caroline and Lila talk about working at the bank. Yeah. So so when we were looking at Wilder with the apartment... The sheriff's wife is a fourth yeah. who does not talk about men. Yep. She talks about the sheriff's job. So when we were looking fact, at Wilder... she him of how it, to do his job. Wilder's last film, The Apartment, one of the things that kind of stuck in your craw was the sexism or yeah. toxic it masculinity of the fest. Uh, that it would not really pass this test because there wasn't a lot of other stuff that's going on not named characters and they're not and then it's there's nothing happening except for the relationships that they're talking about Mm -hmm. which in the context of the film it's about relationships yes yeah but you would not think of this uh of psycho as being a pro pro feminist film but but in fact so, well, think about this. But, but it is. Say, it passes what, what, what right. mod, in modern day is known as the Bechdel, Bechdel test. test. So if, if, for example, in the apartment, not to go back and, and beat this horse, although it's already been shot, but in the apartment, if the doctor's wife was named, played a role, and talked about something besides the relationship of the two in the apartment or what the doctor was doing for the poor girl who had tried to kill herself. Yeah, or she had her own goal. She had her own goal. Of trying to get the doctor to retire, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you need to stop doing this stuff. It's time for us. Let's go find a. We want to go on vacation. Yeah. Yeah. It's something, right? Then, then that would have at least moved it forward. If the secretary was more than just the woman scorned who turns around and burns him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's just a fun fact of the film, right there. All right. So let's uh, let's swing this around to vote. Talk about voting. Voting. Because that's why we're here. We're here to talk about whether or not this this uh, that we we think that this will make Pantheon. Okay, so my gut is it's going to make Pantheon, and it might even be a nine of eleven. However, however, yeah, I don't think that that Kyle will be the only 
person who's like, I don't like this genre. I said this earlier. It's a challenge of the movie. I believe there's going to be people. You mean Zach? I'm sorry. I meant Zach. Kyle might like this movie. I don't know why. How you doing, Kyle? Yeah, yeah. I was referring to Appleseed over here. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean Zach. In any case. um, So Cousin Wayne's a yes. Matthew has already posted as a yes yes. uh, on there. The... We don't know anybody else's vote. What I would say is that I think that this movie is a slam dunk. Uh, as far as movies go, like as as far as things go, um, I don't know if... Uh, I think I Ryan Smith is going to like it. He likes this genre. Yeah. I don't know about this old of a movie, but certainly this genre is his thing. What I might... Like, like I don't know if this will get a perfect score, uh, but... Like you said, nine of eleven. I uh, think nine of eleven is very safe. I think eight. I I'm I feel pretty comfortable. Just just a little quick little count in my head here. I think I would go with my gut would be if somebody said Gary, you you must say how many yes votes it's going to get, including the poll. I say yeah. eight. Well, with Brad, I know that he loves Vertigo, mm-hmm. but he's uh, but but I also know that he's not just a blanket Hitchcock fan because. Like rear window, uh, uh, like he could take or leave. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think Patricia will say yes on this. Yeah. Uh, if, if I just had to guess, mm-hmm. and the Facebook poll is usually yes. Have you looked at who voted yes on the Facebook poll? Uh, Forty-four have said yes on the Facebook poll so far. But you can see the list of names if you Not want. Eleven have said yet yeah, need to rewatch. Five have said, Five no. said no. Zero have said I haven't seen it yet. Right. So, so, what's yeah, your vote? My vote, my vote, like, and we vote on the Facebook poll. This we do. Time. I yeah. already have. Yeah. By the time this podcast is heard, my vote will be seen. I and, voted yes. Yeah, and uh, I will. So I will also say yes. What I will say is a qualified yes. All right. Where mine is not a five star out of five star. Oh, mine's not a five of five. Mine is a four and a half out of five star because they're yeah. like I think that there's a couple of missteps in the movie. Yeah, I think it could be edited better and I think that uh, there was at least one or two uh, uh, pretty significant parts that weren't acted all that well. Yeah, uh, it, but that said, the movie is tight, it's good, it's well shot and sure. it's iconic. Uh it's iconic of iconic as yeah. far as movies go, and, and I, I I think that uh, it deserves. It's like, <laughs> who are we to say it doesn't deserve a place in Pantheon? Well, someone gave us a microphone and except a like except for Zach. <laughs> <laughs> no, Zach can say whatever Zach wants uh, to say. Yeah, Captain No, Captain No. All right, I just uh, I just included my vote as yes. So we're up to like well. forty six, so, maybe, yeah, huh? Forty six plus whatever, yeah. All right, we don't want to keep you too late tonight. That we're closing, we're not cl- quite at the hour and a half mark, but we're uh, we're we're closing in on that. Yeah. Are there any final comments that you want to make? Uh, final thoughts on the movie? Things that you noticed, things that you liked, uh, anything like that. I'll tell you something. I'm going to go back and watch, rewatch the remake with uh, uh, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn, and what is her name? Uh, is it uh, Ellen's wife? Yeah, well, former, right? Because she's married to somebody else now. Uh, but yes, is it, yeah, her first wife. 
yes, with those two. And I like her, and I like Vince Vaughn mostly in his comedic roles, not so much his serious ones. But but here's the deal. I'm going to go back and watch it again, and uh, uh, the, the remake, the shot-by-shot remake, as long as this current one's fresh in my mind, because I want to know whether they really did do a shot-by-shot or whether they made different choices than him for some reason. Oh, Anne Heche. That's it, Anne Heche. Yeah, uh, yeah. I have liked her work in general, and I've liked Vince Vaughn's work in general for his comedic stuff. This wouldn't be comedic, obviously, but yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I want to do that. The I enjoyed this film, like, I, and, and, but but I'll say even more than in like watching this film, mm-hmm. I I just kind of really enjoyed the uh, documentary I saw. I enjoyed that, that too. Like there was so much good background information I, on this film. I, I have to admit, now that I think back about it. That watching the movie wasn't quite... I don't have quite the enjoyable feeling from watching the movie as I did right after I watched the documentary immediately following the movie. It filled in some gaps and it answered a few questions. And it gave me more of a, like, oh, hey, I'm on the inside and I was I know a little bit about yeah. how it was put together. You know, uh, that made me feel a little better about it. But not that that should change my opinion of the movie at being Pantheon or not. But it does help understand it a little yeah. better. I watched it with my kids, and uh, and 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 all of us. Well, you don't have collectively said, "Don't go downstairs." Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Why would she go downstairs? It was so weird that she did that. White people. I, there was a point where I was like, "Hey, Sarah, you gotta watch this. She gets murdered in the shower." <laughs> <laughs> It's really important. Uh, my sense, my son said he watched it, but on his phone. And I was like, "Does that change how you watch a movie? Like, does that change your experience of watching a movie?" I, I have on to your say, phone versus TV? I watched it on a fifty-five inch, yeah. high ultra high def UHD, and the image that I got wasn't much larger than my phone. I got a square black and white yeah. uber low low dev uh, yeah. uh, movie, but anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, uh, anything else? Uh, okay. As as always, we're we're coming to the end here. As always, I hope everyone enjoyed tonight's conversation. Uh, where can Video Land find you, Mister Miggity Mac? On Facebook, as usual. Same here for me. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Adventures in Video Land, our website, or on the Facebook page. Uh, but the conversation always begins and ends on Facebook. You've been listening to Criticism in its finest hour. Uh, until next time, Video Landers. A son is a poor substitute for a lover? Uh, uh, how about if it doesn't gel it is an aspic and this ain't gelling wait hold on how about no I will not hide in the fruit cellar I don't think any of those are working right there you know Uh, we're gonna find yeah how how about this we love you mother mother